Hey guys, welcome to the podcast Bridged. I'm your host, Daryl Porter, and I look forward to working with you in attempts to bridge the gap between K-12 education and industry. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast Bridge. All right, welcome back, everybody. Episode seven of the Bridge Podcast. Thank you so much for joining this morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you are listening. Uh, We just appreciate you taking some time out of the day to learn a little bit about how to bridge the gap between K-12 and K-12 education and industry. Uh, Today, I'm I'm super excited about this next guest, really good friend of mine. We have met about uh, four years ago and then really have, have kept in touch since then. And so uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my, my good friend, Anthony Allen, um, before I let him introduce himself. So, so like I said, Anthony Allen has, has been a friend of mine for about four years. Um, he is a husband, a father of three, a loyal public servant. He obtained a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a master's in public servant management. He also has an advanced peace officer certification. Currently, he is a law enforcement officer in Garland, Texas, and serves as a school resource officer in Bussey Middle School in Garland ISD. And I'm super excited because as a high school principal, I've had a phenomenal relationship with all of our school resource officers. And I, I, I know that Anthony pours into his kids um, and, and really teaches them life. And so super excited to talk to him. And with that, want to introduce everybody to Mr. Anthony Allen. Anthony, thank you so much for joining today. And you're welcome, man. I'm excited to be here with you, and I look forward to discussing things tonight with you. I'm just so excited to dive into everything. Yeah, we've got a lot to dive into, and, and really, we'll go ahead and, and get into it. And so, like I said, um, Anthony and I have, have have known each other for about four years, and we've, we, we, we had a connection whenever we met. Um and and really just just kind of kept that going. We always check in on each other. Uh, we may not have extensive conversations, um, but it's always a hey, how you doing? How's your family? And so I really appreciate that relationship that that we've got. And really, I'm excited to hear his story. So so we're gonna go ahead and start off. Anthony, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are? Tell you tell everybody how you got into law enforcement and 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 really all the way up to the point to where you are now. Right. So I grew up in Belle Glade, Florida, which is a little small town in Palm Beach County. And so I was the youngest of, of eight. And everything about my neighborhood was crime stricken, poverty stricken, drug dealing, you name it. And I just wanted a better way in life. And I didn't know what that entailed. And so I was given the opportunity to play college football and I left my neighborhood and met my wife and we got married and I got into law enforcement. But one of the things that really pushed me to get into law enforcement was there was always a disconnect between people in my community. When I, and I say my community, like under underserved community, um, low socioeconomic disadvantaged families, there was a disconnect. And um, I always felt like, man, we were getting picked on or we were getting singled out. And I said, someone has to be a knowledge worker. Someone has to go get the content and the knowledge and bring it back to the community so that we'll have a better understanding. And I also felt like 
there was no there was no one who had a voice in my community between law enforcement and my community. So I said, you know what? I really have to be that person. And, you know, I got to be a part of change. I got to be a part of the solution. So that really got me fired up for just service in general. Yeah. So so talk to us a little bit of, uh, about about that piece of uh, being the voice and, and and being that being that person that goes out and, and it makes that change. What what you, you you spoke about, you know, kind of what drove you, you your, your experiences as you grow as you grew up. But but talk to us about your experiences once you finally got into law enforcement. And, and and now you're going back to serve either your community or other communities, the underserved communities. Um, talk to us about your experiences from that point. What, what, what did you what did you receive? What did you experience? What, 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 did the, what was that like? So initially, um, people approached me the same way that I probably approached a lot of law enforcement officers when um, when I wasn't on this side. They were very apprehensive. But I think one thing that really helped me is that I showed people that I'm a people's person first, that I care about the the whole person first. And so one of the things that I did, I, I built connections with young people and families within the community. So I started attending Bible studies with kids. I started doing backpack drives. I started doing turkey drives. I started playing uh, football. I started volunteering at middle schools, coaching um, football with little kids. And parents saw that I was vested in the community. And once they knew that I cared, they were okay with opening up. And I've had 10 times as many good experiences than I've had bad experiences um, in my line of work. But it's mostly attributed to, you know, showing people that you care, that you're loyal, and that you're a servant first. So you mentioned the backpack service. You you were recently featured on the news. I, I don't know. I, it was recent, maybe, you know, half a year, a year ago, or you... Tell, tell right. us about tell us about what you did there. Tell us about how you poured into the community, you know, with with, with that service. Right. So my wife and I, I'm, I'm always looking to serve, like to meet a need higher than what I'm doing. Right. So we're all, you know, servants at heart. I hope. And uh, I just said, man, you know, there's something that I can do this school year to like kind of help with these young people. And I just told my wife, I want to buy 80 backpacks and fill them up with, you know, school supplies and go give them to students in, you know, Garland. And I just did it. And I not, I did it because I remember going to school. One of the biggest, you know, fears that I had, you know, on the first day of school of being anxious about being a kid that was, you know, coming from a poverty environment is that school supplies. Like, I didn't feel prepared. Like, there were times that I, I mean, if I got new clothes, great, but I, I went to school plenty of days without a writing utensil or something to write on. And I just knew that, man, that can create a lot of anxiety amongst kids, like not knowing if, I mean, how do we expect kids to learn when they don't have the basic tools they need to, you know, reinforce that learning? And so that that really prompted me to do that. Yeah, man, that that that's that's so good. and And, and that really is that that servant heart that 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 you have and and it's more than you know so 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 being a law enforcement officer obviously you know has its has its uh, ups and downs and it 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 has its share of struggles but it also has its share of successes and whenever you see not just law enforcement officers but people in general pouring into their community and serving their community in a positive way, 
it really it really tends to bring the culture of that community up in a positive way. Uh, and so, man, thank thanks for thanks for thanks for doing you know your part to help a community. And like I said, it was uh, it was featured on the news. It was something that that was definitely celebrated. I mean, I know Anthony, you didn't do it. You and your wife didn't do it to be celebrated, but but I also want to celebrate you. I mean, that, 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 that is, it's very commendable. And ultimately, you know, a lot of kids got, got some, got some good stuff out of it. So, so definitely thanks for, thanks for what you did. Yes. I, I appreciate it. And, and looking forward to doing yeah. more work like that. Well, let's talk about the work that you've done, particularly with, with students. Now, now you got into law enforcement and then you transitioned into education, right? Correct. That is correct. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us, tell us why, tell us how, you know, tell us just the ins and outs of, you know, why did you transition into education? What were your experiences there? And then why did you transition back into the field? Right. So while I, I was given the opportunity on three different occasions to go into education and I, and I kept saying, no, I don't know if that's for me. And my wife finally sat down with me one night. She said, look, there's something calling you or pulling you that way. So, you know, find out what it is and go. And so ultimately I decided, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll go. And so I went into education. I was teaching law enforcement, uh, career technical education pathway at Allen high school. And the kids were awesome. Okay. The kids were awesome. Faculty and staff, they were awesome. And I really enjoyed that experience. And for me, I went in to change lives. I went into, I, I didn't really care about what the book said or, or what someone said, you know, you got to have these guidelines, that guidelines. I cared more about changing young people's lives. Because ultimately, if they didn't remember one thing from my classroom, I wanted them to remember that, I, that Mr. Allen cared about me and he gave me wisdom and knowledge every single day. He gave me his best. And what I found um, was while I was there that there were so many different like guidelines or different protocols protocols that I had to go through to sometimes do what I felt that was best for a student. Like, I, hey, student needs lunch money. Hey, man, here go three dollars. Go get lunch money, and not have to. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to have to do a follow up or this or that with the next person. And so I made the transition back into law enforcement because honestly, I had more freedom dealing with families and students and law enforcement where I could, I didn't have to put on this persona or anything like that. It was just strictly, Hey man, this is what it is. And this is what I'm going to do for you and your family. This is how I can help. And I needed to be able to have those open, honest conversations with families. And I needed to be able to visit those families after hours. I needed to have constant contact um, with those families in order to reach someone and to like get them to that next level. It, I needed more than just the time I had in school. So now there's kids, parents who call me after hours and say, Hey, he's not doing his own work. I told him I'm going to tell you, or, Hey, he got in trouble. You know, I told him come see you tomorrow. So those are the type of things I, I had a lot of freedom and autonomy to really reach families. And I realized I, I couldn't help the student without helping the family. Yeah. It was a holistic approach. Yeah, man, that that's that's great. Before I transition to to kind of you know you serving at, in, in the school still, 
I want to go back to when you were a teacher, and, and this is just my genuine curiosity. What was the hardest thing that, that I mean, okay, so, so you mentioned having that freedom and having that flexibility, but let's talk instruction. Let's talk actually in the classroom. What was the hardest thing to learn when it, when it came to actually teaching your first week or two weeks in the classroom? For me, um, the teaching part came pretty natural and pretty, you know, pretty easy for me. Some of the struggles for me were not, not understanding that high school students or just students in general probably wouldn't be as excited about something that I had spent a, a, an immense amount of time either practicing or learning about. And because you think they signed up for this class, they're going to really, really be excited. And so yeah, the instructional design part, I learned quickly to not probably put as much into that. And I put more emphasis into my anticipatory hooks and how to get kids engaged. I spent more time like, hey, this is what I'm going to do to really get them engaged with this lesson. I may have somebody run in the classroom and yell, hey, you just robbed me. And then transition into, okay, what do you think we're talking about today? Oh, man. that That's, see, see, and that's what it takes. It takes for our students, because, and I say this almost every time I'm on a, you know, on, on, on that I'm talking to somebody is, the way that you and I learned and the way that we were taught growing up is completely different. And that's okay. And and some people are hesitant to that type of change. They 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 want that traditional classroom setting. They want that that traditional go up to the whiteboard or or PowerPoint presentation type of instruction. And man, you've got to find a way to connect to students to be able to to really teach them. Because if they're not interested in you, then they're not interested in what you have to say. And, and, and that's, that's honest. And so in a sense, as a teacher, as an educator in general, you have to be a great salesperson. You've got to not only sell your content, you've got to sell yourself. And I know whenever I was, um, when I was looking to make a hire, you know, one of the things that I always looked for is, and, and I always said, I'm looking for somebody to teach kids, I'm not necessarily looking for somebody to teach content. I need you to love my kids and I need you to be a hard worker when it comes to making sure our kids uh, have what they need. And so, so man, it sounds like, you know, you, for, for whatever, you know, however long it took you to get into education, I think you, you got it. You, you, you picked it up. So, um, now, now, now I want to, I want to, Transition. You are now serving as an SRO. Talk to us about that. What are some successes that you have? What are some struggles that you have? Um, how is it different than being in a classroom? How? What are the similarities? Talk to us about you know your service as a school resource officer. Right. So being a school resource officer is like, man, it's heaven. It's it's the ultimate, you know position to have if you're someone who has a heart um, in service, especially serving young people. Um, the things that I like most about this position is I, I get to have my hands on so many kids at, at so many different times. And it's so great because during lunch period, I get to walk by and I see one girl giving the little boy googly eyes and I get to kind of 
talk to her, you know, as a father and, and as a mentor and as a counselor. And I also get to talk to those kids that are maybe need some redirecting in the hallway that need some life coaching. Um, I also get to talk to those kids that, you know, that are a challenge. Like they have, they already have this story in their mind of what the police represent because they've been told by their community, their family members, and maybe they've had some experiences. And it's, while it's challenging, it's so rewarding when I get a breakthrough with that kid and that kid is able, it may not be much, but that kid may say, hey, good morning, Officer Allen. That's a breakthrough for me because, you know, two weeks ago, that kid frowned every time he saw Officer Allen. That kid didn't want to be talked to. And I, and it, and and for me, it's also rewarding to see that perception is not reality. You hear so many stories about, oh, oh those kids are going to be busy this, busy that. And I tell you, I have a great group of kids at Busty Middle School. Like I look at those kids as if they're they're my kids because I am old enough to be their father. Um, but to see the kids want structure for them to want authority and they want someone to give them feedback and someone to coach them and someone to be there uh, with them and help them navigate their challenges. That's, that's awesome for me. And I, I love it when a young person comes into my office and sit down and ask me life advice. You know, a kid the other day sat down and said, Hey, officer Allen, I got a problem. What's the problem? I like this girl, but I don't know what to do. You know, <laughs> you know, I like those things. So I, I even like it when a kid says, Hey, Someone, you know, is, you know, talking to be smack to me. What should I do? And then I help them navigate. Hey, th- this is why we're not going to let this escalate. We're going to do this. And um, it's really cool to see that the kids go home and talk to their parents about me because the parents doing pick up and drop off. They will take the time, slow down, honk the horn, wave at me and, you know, kind of give me that reinsurance. Some parents will even say, I got your back, Officer Allen, whatever you need from me. So. Uh, it's a big impact. When when you get to help kids, you help an entire family. Um, when it, If I can help these young people matriculate to the next level, then it, it breaks whatever curses or whatever things that they may have been dealing with in their family. And it helps the younger brother after them and extended family see that there's a better path. Man, that's that that's great. Um talk to talk to talk to me about this. So so as far as you know, pouring into your kids, they, they come, they come to you with life advice. They come to you with, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend advice, and, and even parents come to you. Uh, what type of role do you play in teaching our students, um, how to interact with law enforcement? We, we all know the history. We don't have to, to bring up, um, you know, the recent history and, and even, you know, the, the, the history shoot, <laughs> Not not so recent, um, right? And so so talk to us about about your your interaction with students on how you teach them on, on what what are some approaches that you that you bring to the table, what are some strategies, what are what are some ways you teach our kids on how to how to interact with with our law enforcement? You, you know, it's interesting that you asked that question, um, and I get asked it a lot. Um, hey, how can you teach these kids about how to interact with law enforcement. And so what I do is I try to remove the law enforcement piece away from it. And I say, I want to teach you how to interact with people. 
I love it. And I one of the things that I use, especially with the young males in my school, because they all love their mama. They all love their mama. And I say, hey, man, if I was to walk up to your mom and like curse her out like that and, and you know, yell at her and scream out, how would that make you feel? And they're like, I wouldn't like that. I, I'd be mad. Somebody's going to have to pay. I say, say when you inter- when you're interacting with anyone, you don't get you you don't get anything in return when you're not being willing to just have a conversation. And when, yeah. even when I talk to the young men or the young women, I always I kind of kill the emotion by saying, hey, we're just having a conversation. Nobody's right. in trouble. Just take a right. deep breath. Let's just talk. And, that, and that's one thing I coach them on how to interact with the cafeteria staff, how to interact with each other. I, I'm big on just give people some respect and you'll get a lot back. And I always say you get more with, with sugar than you do with salt. And so um, that, that's the biggest component is I, I'm big on teaching students how to interact with other people. I tie it into everything. I tie it into, you know, getting a job. You know, you have to be able to interact with your employer in a responsible manner. Um, you, you may not always like the outcome, but you have to be able to be engaged and communicate in a responsible manner. So I really, I'm big on just communicating with each other in a healthy way. And that's something that all day, every day that, that I'm, I'm working on with young people is we're going to talk about this. We're going to do it in a healthy way. That's, that's a great approach. I mean, and, and it's, and it's, it's simple and it's, you know, it's, 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 I don't know other, another word, it's simple humanity. And so, so I, 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 I appreciate that. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a really, really good approach. Um, now, now one of the reasons why, why I brought you on is because, you know, the career in technical education, um, that the state of Texas and beyond, but, but specifically in the state of Texas, um, one of the programs of study is law enforcement. You actually got to, got to be a part of, uh, of that education piece, whenever you teach, uh, whenever you teach students the the concepts of law enforcement. So, so talk to me about this. When you were teaching, with your prior experience, how closely aligned was curriculum that you taught with the actual things that you see out on the field? So the their curriculum, while you know, in and of itself, you know, for all education purposes, was okay, but it did not align with what I felt, um, w- what I knew that a law enforcement officer would encounter on a day to day basis. And I, for whatever reason, whoever wrote the curriculum or thought that those were the teaks that a student needed to learn, I felt like there needed to be a lot of uh, changes to that because the industry standards were significantly different you know prime example i mean there was like a two-week uh block on history of law enforcement and it's cool to know your history of law enforcement but uh citizens inner encounter and de-escalation techniques are things that are going to be way more prevalent for you in law enforcement you're you're not going to get deemed in the field of law enforcement for not knowing who's the founding father of you know, the broken window theory or something like that. You're, you're not going to get dinged for that. You, you will, however, if you, you don't know how to communicate with people and how to interact with people and make appropriate decisions based on your interactions, that's going to be the bread and potato of what, you do, what you're doing. Man, man, that's so, 
that 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 is so aligned with with teacher preparation and and even principal and superintendent pres- uh, uh, preparation. So you know some of the things that they don't teach you in in at least the higher ed portion is you know re- really how to manage a classroom. What happens when when a kid gets so upset that that they become inconsolable? and uncontrollable. So, so we talk a lot about theory and philosophy, much like the broken window theory that you're whatever, whatever it was that you brought up. But, but that practical piece, I think a lot of times are missed. Um, those practical pieces are missed. And so, yeah, that, 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 that seems very uh, similar to, I, I would say not only teacher training, but a lot of industry uh, training. Now, now, what do if you remember? Um, what what did did your your school work towards an industry based certification um, that that deals with law enforcement, such as like a nine one one dispatcher certification, or or did you guys work towards any of that? Yes. Yeah, so we actually had the communication specialist, which is the dispatcher certification that students could get into later on in the pathway. They had to basically they probably were seniors by the time they could get to that certification. And, you know, they were able to go to a local police department and shadow a actual communication specialist to pick up hours for an intern and for the it was called the practicum course. But it it aligned with that. And, and that was actually a, a pretty good thing. Um, I wish more students would have taken advantage of it because that them getting that certification as soon as they graduated from high school, um, they they were eligible to go work full time somewhere if they could get employed as a dispatchers. And and a lot of the agencies were paying, you know, starting out paying twenty three, twenty four, twenty five dollars an hour. And I mean, if when I was eighteen years old, if I could make twenty five bucks an hour, I mean that. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. And so that was a really unique thing. And and we start offering some security license, things like that. Um, But the communication specialist was was the biggest piece because I felt like that really gave students an edge in terms of entering the workforce and, you know, really putting them ahead of the game in terms of experiences and actual pouring into their lives. Yeah, man, that, you know, I, I'm sitting here and I was looking at uh, looking up a couple of different industry based certifications that that, you know, are, are law and public safety uh, programs of study offer. Um, and and I think you hit I think you, you hit it. Um, that communications piece is big. Uh, they have that that non-commissioned security officer. Um, and those are those those industry based certifications that students can 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 obtain that where they don't have to necessarily go to a four year university if they don't want to. Uh, not saying that they don't right. have to, but or or that it's not necessary. But but there's ways in high school we can prepare our kids to be trained for the industry and the workforce without having to pursue um a, a four-year degree which leads me to my final question man we're running out of time and so so want to go ahead and bring this in your opinion how do we bridge the gap between k-12 education and industry 
well, it's simple, but not simple. <laughs> I think we really just need to get more practitioners, more people, more people in the industry to go into the classrooms to get with school districts and school districts have to be available and open to it and saying, hey, this is what we really want you guys teaching. I know that you think everybody thinks like, oh, you know, police officers, they drive cars really fast. We we, we're and they arrest people. But what we really need you guys to teach these kids is we need you to teach them problem solving skills, effective communication, how to be good team um, concept workers, how to be responsible, how to be accountable. And and as the career technical education directors, they have to be open to this. They have to be all eyes and ears. And we really have to continue constantly align our teach with the industry standards. And it can't be something we do one year and fall off the next year. We have to revisit each year what has changed about the industry standards and what can we teach our kids to get them ready for the workforce to get out there now. Um, we, the, the days of just brick and mortar textbook, here you go, you know, 20 question quiz, okay, turn in, that, that has to be out the window. We really have to, we're talking about hands-on learning. We really have to be engaged with the industry and those experts and bring them into the classroom and bring them in with our teachers to help give our teachers feedbacks and resources on how to teach this material to students so that they will be available to apply for a job right away and know exactly, hey, this is what we're looking for. Because we can always go back and revisit the black and white on the book, but I, you know, we can't make up a lot of time for just personal life experience and personal life interactions. We really, we really have to do a better job of making sure from an industry standpoint and education standpoint that we're open to having a true partnership and listening to what the needs really are. Well, Anthony, man, I, I appreciate you taking some time out to to talk to us and, and really expose your your view and your experience um, on, on, on really how to bridge that gap between K-12 education and industry. I appreciate it, man. I'm so excited. Looking forward to all the great things that you're doing. Uh, man, your school district is is just lucky to have you, man. I'm I'm honored to know you, and I look forward to continue to see you grow and develop. Well, I appreciate that as a friend. I appreciate that, and 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 so likewise, I I appreciate you and and your friendship, and and look forward to you know the things that you're doing. And so, with that, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you, you know, taking this time. Everybody, be well, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to my dad's podcast, Bridged.